0: Now, listen to me, but when you make a choice, you have to take responsibility for your choices. Okay? So there's risk in everything. You know, I don't know if you know this or not, but for years, there have been people that believe that Social Security numbers are the mark of the beast. But nobody seems, we don't tend to hear a whole lot about that, but you can't do certain things without a Social Security number. I mean, if you went into the bank to take out a loan, and they said, give me your Social Security number, and you said, no, that's the mark of the beast, I'm not giving it to you, you do this without that Social Security number, you know what they're going to tell you? Bye-bye, right? You will be denied, right? There's a lot of things you're denied because you don't have the things that, you know, you're not doing what the government tells you to do. There are, there's a guy that, this just a couple years ago, he, they said, you got to file your taxes with your... Social Security number, he said, that's the mark of the beast, I'm not doing it. So he did it, and went to. he didn't file taxes at all, said, I'm not going to do it, and guess where he's at? Prison. He's in prison. Now look, I I don't have a problem, if that's what he wants to do, then do that. But don't be surprised when things happen, okay? So if I get kicked out of a store because I don't have a COVID card... Or I can't buy a new pair of shoes because I don't, or I can't go to a movie or I can't, you know, there's, mo- there's a theater down in, in uh, Lansing that's already said you can't get in without showing your COVID card. And uh, look, and, and, and I, guess what? I'm not going to that theater. Whether I had a COVID card or not, I'm not going there because you're not going to tell me that I can't do something because of that. But look, all these things that are talked about are all precursors. This is, not the, this is not the final end, and I'm going to show you this from the Scripture today. And then I want to help you because I want you to know what Jesus is saying about all of it, because you need to know what Jesus is saying about all of it, and uh, because you cannot build your worldview off of the world. <laughs> or you're going to have a messed up worldview. So are you, did you find Timothy yet? Find Second Timothy. And I want you uh, to look at uh, in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3, and uh, verse 1, Timothy said, Paul said to Timothy, this is his last book, know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. And uh, if you write in your Bible this word perilous, it's only found one other place in the Greek text, it's Matthew 8, 28. And when it talked about the two demoniacs there, and the two demoniacs, it, it said that when Jesus came up to them, they were exceedingly fierce. I think you would agree with me that the last days are exceedingly fierce. There is just a ferocity that is out there today in the world. I mean, it's just the, just the meanness and the nastiness and the, 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 uh, the, the craziness. And, I, and I, I'll say this, and I know I, I don't always make... F- Friends, by doing this but i'll say this on both sides of the aisle there's weird ferocity i mean just major stuff that should not be should not be going on notice verse 2 for men will be lovers of themselves lovers of money boasters proud blasphemers disobedient to parents unthankful unholy unloving unforgiving slanderers without self-control, brooder, brutal, excuse me, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, it's gonna sound like it's right, but it will deny the power and from such turn away. For, for and Then he goes on and talks about all these people that are brought under this because they don't have this knowledge of the truth. The real key to understanding the ferocity of the day is understanding that first part, the first thing that's mentioned in the law of first. You see there that it says that men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of themselves. And we'll look at it a little bit later, but Jesus even talks about those who have lost their first love, the love that they have for God, and he goes, talks about that they're to go back and repent and do the first works over again, that there will always be this challenge to put you first in the world. That's, that's the, what the world system will always do, is to put you in the forefront. doesn't matter what God says. doesn't matter what the truth says. What matters is what you say. And so what happens out of that is, is that it begins to lead down a pathway where once we become lovers of self, where we become the most important, the world revolves around us, we, of course, are going to love money. We're going to love, we're going to be boasters and proud. We're going to be unloving to others because we're going to care more about ourselves and disobedient to parents. And uh, just goes on, the list just continues to go on and on. So these are ferocious times. Now, if you go over to the book of Matthew with me, Jesus talks about uh, the end times in the book of Matthew in chapter 24. Matthew 24. I had this buddy in college uh, I played basketball with and we used to, he used, I used to ride home with him from, on breaks and uh, I talked to him about the end times after I became a believer and he'd always say, stop talking about that because it scares me. It scares me. And I said, well, look, we don't have anything to be afraid of. I mean, if we know where we're going, then we don't really have anything to be afraid of. He says, well, I just don't like hearing you talk about it. So. Um, that didn't stop me, but still, it was, you know, the, of course, he was driving and it was his gas in the vehicle, so I kind of had to honor him a little bit. But look, end times are coming, whether you like it or not. <laughs> whether you want to hear it or not, you're in the end. Now, watch what Jesus says here. This is, so, uh, this is so awesome. In verse 3, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And I think everybody wants to know that. And Jesus answered and said to them. So now he's going to tell them the truth here. Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass but the end is not yet. So if you underline in your Bible, just go ahead and underline that. The end is not yet. That's not the end. Just because there's wars and rumors of wars and there's deception going on in the world, and there is definitely a lot of deception, even in the Christian King community, that that is not the end yet. Then he says in verse 7, For nation will rise against nation. The word nation here, if you do a study on this, in the Greek language, it's the word ethnos. We get, our, uh, we get our word ethnicity, ethnicity, thanks. Ethnic, right? So do we live in a world where ethnic is against ethnic? Absolutely. Absolutely, we li- and you know, it's really, it's really interesting Um, I think, anyways, that, you know, when we get into these ethnic wars, especially in the United States, because there is nobody that's pure blood. We're all Heinz 57. Come on. Somebody says, oh, no, no, I'm Irish. Oh, really? Everybody in your family, you came from Ireland and all your family was from Ireland and you're, okay, and where did the people in Ireland come from? We're all from Adam and Eve, period. The only ethnic thing that we have in our roots is that our roots go all the way back to Adam and Eve, and they sinned and got away from God, and anyways, and everybody's screwed everything up since then, except God. So, you know, we fight about ethnicity. We get in upset it one ethnic over another ethnic. It, this is a sign of the end, okay, that it gets worse, Now, have there been other times in our world, even in the United States, when wars against ethnic groups were big? Absolutely. This isn't the first time that's happened. It's happened a bunch of times. I can remember, many of you will remember this with me, when John F. Kennedy was shot, when Robert Kennedy was shot. You will remember also that uh, when Martin Luther King was shot, um, the deaths of people that happened when others that were taken down because they were trying to be peacemakers and things that they were trying to do. There is definitely an ethnic war that is underlined. And I want to tell you, and listen to me, it's demonic. It's not God. This is man loving himself. Look, you as a Christian, and, 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 and take this however you want to take it, but you as a Christian, Do not identify from where you came from. You identify with where you are going. Your citizenship is now in heaven. Hallelujah. Nation will rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. And I think with this one, you could put in here government against government because we don't tend to think of things in terms of kingdoms anymore. But government against government. And there will be famines, there will be pestilences, and there will be earthquakes in various places. You know, God bless the people in Haiti and what they just went through. All these, watch us now, you're going to hate this part, are the beginning. That's just the start. Then in verse 9, he says they'll deliver you up to tribulation. They'll kill you. You'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And many will be offended, betray one another, and will hate one another. Boy. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And we've had plenty of those show up in the last couple of years that made all kinds of false promises of things that were going to happen that did not happen. I always get concerned when somebody moves their dates. They say, it's going to happen on this date, and then, oh, well, we made a mistake. Well, when you start saying, I made a mistake in something you said God said, I think you just discredited everything else you're about to say. Somebody said, well, what do I do with these prophets that prophesied this stuff that it didn't come to pass? I said, stop listening to them. Now, we don't get to stone them like they did in the Old Testament, you know. But you can choose what you hear. This is a good preaching, Pastor. Thank you. I'm really glad you brought this this morning. Verse 12. And because lawlessness will abound, lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. And I hate that that word many is there, but it says the love, the agape love, the charity, the sacrificial love of many will grow cold. But watch verse 13. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. So I want you to underline that word endures. He who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and the end will come. One thing we have to remember about our Christian faith, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's a long distance race. It's not about how quick we can get it done. It's about can we get to the finish line? Can we finish what we're supposed to do? He says, he who endures to the end shall be saved so that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached and all the world is a witness to all nations. And then he says, when the gospel is in all the world, the end will come. Now, I want you to go to the book of Revelation with me. The book of Revelation. And uh, I don't typically preach a lot out of the book of Revelation, but I love the book of Revelation. And it's not that I can't, it's just the Lord just doesn't provide a lot of opportunities for me to do that. But when you go to the book of Revelation, one, understand it's not revelations, it's revelation. It says right in the opening, line what this book is all about, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Sometimes I hear people say, well, I just love the book of Revelations. There's no revelations. There is one revelation. It's Jesus Christ. That's what the book is about. So you want to, people say, well, I don't understand the book of Revelation. Well, here's how you understand it. Look for Jesus all through the book. You find Jesus, then you know what the book of Revelation is all about because it is a revelation of Jesus. Jesus Christ. The whole book is about a revelation of Jesus Christ and his work in the earth, which God gave him to show to his servants, which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified by his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God. All right. So John talks about here, you know this, about how that all of a sudden he says he's on an island of Patmos. He's been exiled there. John is the longest-living disciple of the first 12, okay? So he is now alive and on this island, and the Lord shows up on the Lord's Day, which would be a Sunday, appears to him and gives him this revelation of Jesus Christ and shows him some things that are to come, things that... And he says it to him. He, says, he, he explains it all to him in verse, um, uh, in verse 19. He said, Write these things, chapter 1, verse 19... The things which you have seen, things which are, and the things which will take place after this. So wouldn't you agree that that's past, present, and future? So when you read the book of Revelation, understand that it's not all future stuff that's going to happen. Some of it's past. It's already happened. Some of it's happening right now. And we can plug ourselves right into it. And then some of it is yet to come. But it's about past, present, and future future okay so John receives this revelation and he he sees he's talking to this this presence the spirit and he talks about what he looks like we won't take time to look at all of that right now but he's standing in the midst of the seven golden lampstands now this is a reference to the Hebrew menorah that was in the tabernacle the seven lamps the the lampstand that was the light and the illumination of God um, the lampstand in the, if you went from what was called the outer court to the inner court, then you go into what's called the holy, holy place, okay? In the holy place, there would be uh, in front of you as you walk through, there would be a massive curtain that would, on the other side, would be the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies would have the Ark of the Covenant in, in there, all right? That, on this side of the veil, would be the altar of incense. To your right would be the table of bread, which is about identity because it, each loaf represented a tribe of Israel. There were 12 loaves. And then to the left would be the menorah, the candlestick, which was the only illumination that was in that room. The reference and the idea is it's from that candlestick, the illumination of the word, the illumination of God to the minds of men, to the hearts of men. And so that's what the menorah, that's what that seven candlestick that had one source of oil to it, which, you know, is a representation to us of we have one source of oil, that's the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, and that that's what would illuminate. There were no other candles in there, there was no other light, it was that one, it was perpetual, it was to always keep the oil, the wicks trimmed, keep it going all the time so that there would be illumination in the holy place, all right? And that's very significant as you look at this, because he says... When you look at, Jesus says in verse 20, the mystery of the seven stars, which, we, which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands, which you saw, are the seven churches. Okay, are you with me right now? So each of these Parts of the lampstand represent an aspect of the church during when the Lord is speaking here. And so the, 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 the thought is, is that when you look at that word angels, one translation of that word is not just angelic being, but it's also messenger. The stars represent a messenger. So it could be a representation of the messengers to those churches who's speaking, the ones who are speaking to those churches But the golden lampstand is a representation of the church. And the Lord Jesus Christ is standing in the midst of the church. Now the Lord is about to speak. And I I want to make, this is going to get real, real, I don't want to say hairy, it's going to get real tough for a minute, okay? The Lord, when he speaks, only speaks to the church. He doesn't speak to the world. He isn't, what he's about to say in the end, about the end, is not to the world. It is in his church. It is among his church. There are seven representations here. This is why your Bible tells you, whether you like it or not, forsake Hebrews chapter, the last chapter, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as is the habit of some, and even more so as you see the day approaching. Why? Why? because the Lord is only speaking in the church about what he is doing. Now, here's what, now look, don't say something I didn't say, because I thought God could talk to me on the golf course. Absolutely, God can talk to you on the golf course, but he's not gonna talk to you about the church, because he talks about the church at the church. We got all kinds of people that have disconnected from church, They've disconnected. And when they disconnected, and I I get, we had some bad, this was a weird situation. But the danger is is to not get reconnected. Because that's where God is speaking to the church. You know, it's one thing for God to speak to you in your personal life, but if that's all that you have with God, then that's very shallow because you're not part of something bigger than yourself. Well, I don't need the church. yes, you do. And not to bury you or to marry you or to dedicate your children or to teach your children or to teach you. You need the church to hear the word of the Lord to the church. And that only happens in the church because it says right here, he said these things to the churches. He did not say them to the world. And if you weren't there at the church, then guess what? You didn't get to hear what he was saying. Why does he only speak to the church? Because it is through the church that he changes the world. It's through the church that he changes the world. We hear the word of the Lord, we get clarity, we get direction, and then we go out into the world representing him and change the world. Now I know, you know, like we have different views, you know, about church and church is a choice and all this other stuff in our world today. But here's the thing. I know God is speaking. I'm grateful that I am part of a church that hears the word of the Lord. That hears the word of the Lord. That didn't wait till the government was said it was all right to meet, but listen to God to say when it was right to meet. You know, there's rumors going around right now that the governor's thinking about shutting things down again. They're finding ways to try to work things out. They're working attorneys and doing different things. But here's the thing. I'm not led by the governor. I'm led by the Holy Spirit. And if I feel that God says that don't pay any attention to that, you do what I tell you to do, I know God is speaking to the church. We will just go right ahead meeting. You say, well, pastor, what if you go to jail I fully know what happens if I do what I think is the right thing to do. And you should, too. And if you can't live with the outcome, then don't make the decision. Yeah. Wow, Pastor, this is so good. I could hardly wait to teach this today. I mean, I was so excited while, I was putting, while the Lord was showing me this last night. I want you to look at this because <laughs> look at as he speaks. Chapter 2, verse 1. To the angel of the church, to the messenger of the church of Ephesus, write These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and labored for my namesake and have not become weary. Therefore, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent, turn around, and do the first works. Or I I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Watch the last line. To him who overcomes, underline the word overcomes again, I will give to eat from the tree of life which which is in the midst of the paradise of God. All right? Now, there are four things that he does with each one of these churches as he talks to them. Uh, There are four different things that he, the way that he deals with them, and first is, of course, he starts with praise. All right? But When the Lord speaks to the church, he may begin with praise. And notice, the Lord praises you for what you do, not what you intended to do. He said, I I see what you have done. You know, I know we want God to judge us by what we've said, but no, he judges us by what we have done. He said, he praises them, But then he turns right around after praise and what does he do? He corrects them because he's the head of the church. He's the Lord. He's the one that can do that. He he praises them. He corrects them. He warns them. This is what will happen if you don't straighten it up. And it's not so much that the Lord's like, I'm going to kick you out. You'll kick yourself out. You know, you get far away from God, you don't care what God thinks. You just do whatever you want to do anyway. So God isn't like, well, I'm throwing you out of the church. No, you threw yourself out of the church. That was worth the price of admission right there. Praise, correction, warning. Here's the last one, promises. And the way he promises, and he does this with all seven, we won't look at all of them, he says, to he who overcomes. To he who overcomes. I want you to go to the last chapter, or, or to chapter 21. You know, this is after the adversary is all defeated and everything's being established. And uh, Revelation chapter 21. And I want you to look at, um, with me at verse, uh, verse 5. Then he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done, it's completed. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and I will give of the fountain of wa- the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Verse seven He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. So he finishes all this by saying, overcome. Here we are again. So the key to receiving the reward is to overcome. Now, I'm going to show you why that's true. And let me just say that there are folks today, and I'm not judging anybody because that's not my place. I don't walk in the midst of the seven golden, golden candlesticks. Thank God. That's not my role. But he who does is admonishing people to overcome whatever deal you're dealing with you got to overcome it you got to you got to beat it the word overcome means get the victory over it have you ever heard that before you got to get the win over this in your life you may not be able to change everything that's happening out here but you got to get the win over it in here you got to get the win over it in here and uh, so I was talking to the Lord about this, and I said, man, you keep saying this over and over. You said it to all the churches. You, you treated them all the same way. You praised them. You corrected them. You warned them. And then you promised them, guys, if you overcome, you'll eat of the tree. You'll have the benefit. You'll have the blessings. But you've got to overcome. You've got to overcome. So I said, Lord, how do we overcome? So I want you to go to 1 John. You know, John is the writer of by the spirit of the book of Revelation. So you just go backwards just a little bit and you'll find the book of John. Go to Jude and then you go to John. And I want you to look at 1 John chapter 4. Chapter 4. All right. Now, Verse 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God i was talking about this in terms of the false prophets that are out speaking and this is the spirit of the antichrist to lead us falsely which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world so somebody asks, well where is the antichrist coming the spirit of antichrist is already here remember we're we're reading this as of this is like today this same spirit has been... The, these guys thought they were dealing with the Antichrist, all right? The same kind of spirit. So this has been going on a long time. Their end times, what they perceived what's going on in their society is just like what you and I are perceiving today is the end of times as well, okay? So he says, he says look, it's in the world. Verse 4, but you are of God, little children and have overcome them, overcome these false prophets, overcome the spirit of Antichrist, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Now I want you to go over to chapter 5 with me, and we'll wrap up this morning. Whatever is born of God overcomes... The world. Now, look up at me real quick. Three things he talks about, and this is in chapter 1. We won't go back to it because we're running out of time this morning. But he says there are three things that are in the world. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And the pride of life, okay? Now, you know, when we look at pride... I don't know if you're ready to hear this. But when we look at pride... We tend to look at pride as arrogance. But can I tell you that fear is a form of pride? Because you're choosing your way and your thoughts over God's thoughts. You're exalting yourself against the knowledge of God. And you may be basing it on stuff that's going on around you. But when you choose fear to make your decisions... It's a form of pride in our lives that we are saying, I make my own, I'm my own man, I make my own choices. The reality is if we're going to overcome in this life, which that's what we're supposed to do, and God doesn't tell us to overcome unless we can, is we have to choose to overcome by what he just now is about to tell us. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life, this is the victory, even our faith. Faith is the key to overcoming. Now, I'm, I don't know, I'm not asking for volunteers to tell me, but is your faith stronger today, or is your faith weaker today? Are you getting more weary? Because, see, the thing is, is that, and what we don't really talk a lot about in the church, but we ought to talk about more, is is that your faith is directly related to your love. Your love grows cold because your faith grows cold. And when your faith grows cold, you become fearful and cynical. Now you're gonna have to decide how cynical you are. You'll have to take a look at what you're saying out of your life because what you're saying is what you're doing and so you're functioning in a certain way that you might be just like totally cynical about everything that's going on in the world, but God didn't call us to be cynics of the world he called us to be people of faith. Remember, God's end game to to bring everything to a conclusion is that the gospel gets into all the world. So let me tell you what the enemy's really trying to do. Stop the gospel from going into all the world. Because see, don't you think the enemy knows what lies ahead for him? He absolutely knows. You know, God in his great awesome audacity tells the end from the beginning. Here's what I'm gonna do with you. Someday you will be taken captive and chained up and thrown into a dark pit, a bottomless pit, for a thousand years, and then I'll let you out, only to throw you into a lake of fire and brimstone for all eternity. There's your destiny. So if you knew that the whole thing to unfold to happen was that the gospel got into all the world, what would you do? You'd try to stop the last button from getting pushed. And then the end will come. Then the end will come. For you and I to overcome, we must build our faith. Now, you can build faith on your own, but it's better when we build our faith together. Together. And, that, and, and the perspective in there is, and like I said, I'm going to have to quit, but the perspective in there is there is an anointing that you operate under that gives you information and ideas and thoughts. And in fact, John talks about it. You have an unction from the Holy One. You know these things are not right, these things going on. But also there is a corporate environment in the church where we are gathering together and together we are sensing the anointing, the direction of the Lord. We are feeling that what pastor is saying, or who our guest speaker is, or one of our ministers on staff, what they, or that prophetic word, we are saying, that's the Lord. That's what God is saying today. Of all voices that we listen to, those should be the key voices in our life. Those should be the key voices. Um, this, I don't think this is being recorded, so I'll go ahead. There are people that we, that we know now that don't go to church that listen to other ministers online and that's all they listen to. They have no fellowship, they just listen to preachers online. That will not cut it, because that is not a local body of believers. My Bible says, woe to him who stands alone when he falls. I at least know that if I'm going through a, you know, I'm, in Jesus' name this is not gonna happen, but if I was diagnosed with something I would want to believe there would be a gangload of believers, at least 200, that would get right around me and start prophesying life and not death and would start... Listen, man, I would need that depending on the battle that I was in. If something happened, I would want to know. I would want to be a part of something that's going to be there. I'm telling you, the online preacher ain't going to be there for nobody. I'm glad we've, we've had people that watch our programs and listen to us. We get cards from them, notes from them that uh, this has been really a blessing to them that we've been there. But look, this is not, that's not the main thing. The main thing is gathering together with other believers, being the church. Jesus is speaking to his church and his church is speaking to his world. Stand with me, please. Wow, covered a lot of ground. Is your faith stronger today, or is your faith tired, weary? Is your love growing cold? Are you just tired of dealing with all of it? I'll tell you, that I feel more fired up today than I ever have. I don't know how to explain it. It's just a thing that that um, you know I'm an overcomer. I believe that I'm going to be an over I'm going to be In fact, most of you, when somebody tells you you can't do something, that's when you look at them and go, I'm doing it. I know, like when they told you you had to have your COVID card, you thought, bless God, I'm going to do it anyways. I don't care whether they say i got to have it or not. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. You're not telling me what. Now, look, I know some of that could be rebellion, but, (laughs) right? Some of it can be. You don't like it when your kids do that, Right? But see, the thing is, is that there is a tenacity that is inside of us to overcome. What is the, I want you to search your heart this morning. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Hide, run, be fearful. Or is the Holy Spirit saying, cleave, hang on, fight the good fight, don't give up, overcome. Let's pray, amen. Get her done, there you go. Father, I thank you. Go ahead, Charlie. Father, I thank you. Lord God, I just feel this for every person here. Lord, I know that life, just stuff coming at us from every which direction. Sometimes it seems it's coming from every front. And that we're surrounded. But Lord, as we sing in the one song, we forget that we're not surrounded by the problem. We're surrounded by you, Lord God, in the midst of that problem. And as hard as it seems, Lord God, you're right there. I, th- I look at that church, Lord, going through everything, those seven churches, and yet you were saying to them, guys, I'm right here. I'm right here in the midst of you. I'm in the midst of you, and I'm speaking. I'm praising for you for what you're doing right. I'm correcting what you're doing wrong. I'm warning you if you don't correct what you're doing wrong You're going to have more problems you will not overcome, but I'm telling you that there is a blessing to those who overcome. So, Father, I pray for all those here today, Lord God, that by your Holy Spirit, you're talking to their hearts. You're taking the truth that has been shared with them that you gave to me, and, Lord, you're opening their hearts and their eyes. And I just believe in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that they will live the overcomer life as you declared in your word.